can leave here today not realizing how much God loves you and how special you are if you want to, but we're going to make it as hard as possible. It's like you're going to have to really fight hard to not see how much God thinks about you. Like uh, Pastor Tim said when he was, he was started talking, he said, how does Jesus see you? is really what matters because he's the king, he's the Lord, he's the creator of the heavens and the earth. What he says about me is what matters. And guys, I want you to see that today. And uh, this is a thunderstorm, lightning storm, and uh, it's going to have bearing with what we're going to be talking about. You know, um, we had a friend, uh, Tim and I had a friend, oh, I forgot, I was going to say this first, Harvey and Pat and... Okay, those three, yeah, they've been in Cambodia for several days, and then they left Cambodia, and they've been in India for a week, and it's been amazing. I did, they did FaceTime with me this morning early, and uh, they were just so full of joy and life, and they said it's been an amazing week, and uh, Pastor Mohan there on the left, on the right, he uh his church, they spoke there this morning, and uh, they prayed for people for two hours, and there was like amazing what the Lord did in their lives and in the people's lives, and uh, Pastor Mohan, they honor so well. Uh, they said, Case said that, that that flower thing they put on them is heavy. It's like real flowers, and uh, they just felt lo so loved and so honored, and, uh, and Pastor Mohan told me that people's lives were changed and people were encouraged. Case spoke to a women's leadership. Uh, I think it was 80 women or something. And uh, she was a little worried about it. And Jesus just showed up and blessed them and blessed her. And uh, in Cambodia, they said, God's moving. God is moving. And, uh, and it's funny, the Cambodian church is really young. That it was, I don't, I don't remember how many they told me, 500 or something, or something, they were going through the school, and uh, they were hungry to know who they are in the Lord, and uh, amazing time they had. So I just want to throw that picture up there. They'll be flying home, they leave tomorrow night, they'll be here on Tuesday night, and uh, it's been quite a trip, so I appreciate you guys praying for them and making it possible for them to go. That's a, it's just a huge thing that they got to do this and uh, it was big how many of you guys have been struck by lightning it's aha there is somebody Tim and I have a friend who got struck by lightning three times it's like do not hang out with Donnie Hines I'm, did I say that name Sorry, do not hang out with the man Tim and I know, because he's been struck by lightning three times. He's still alive, uh, just slight brain damage, but he's mostly good. You know, at uh, one time we were out hunting, and we used these aluminum climbing stands you go up a tree on, and I'm sitting in a tree, and lightning is like this, hitting all around me. And, you know, you get really religious for that. You get really close to God at that time. I was like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, if you get me out of this tree, I'll never do this again. You do not want to be in the top of a tree when there's a lightning storm going around, sitting in a metal stand grounded to the tree. Uh, scared me to death. Because why? There's power in lightning. Now, I just want you to remember that as we go on. But it's a big deal. You see, I, I want to make an analogy. Uh, getting impacted by the Holy Spirit is as powerful as getting struck by lightning. And I want you all to see that later on. Now, 
So I wanted to ask you that question. Now, this is interesting. What do these two pictures have in common? Uh, it was sort of hard for me. I, was, I looked up Vietnam pictures, right? And I barely missed the Vietnam War. I was just a little too young. And uh, the, that's a real picture from Vietnam. And uh, by the time I finished finding the picture I wanted that wasn't too bad, uh, tears were in my eyes. It was a horrible war. Uh, horrible things happened. Uh, suffering, suffering everywhere you looked. On both sides of the war. And then there's a guy on a beautiful golf course playing golf. Let me uh, tell you about this guy. His name is James Nesmith. Right? He was a fighter pilot in the U.S. Air Force. He was shot down over North Vietnam in 1967. He spent nearly seven years as a POW, prisoner of war, in the infamous Hanoi Hilton. This man did. They put him underground in a four and one half foot by seven foot cave. He was given minimal food, bread, water. The cave was crawling with rats and roaches and bugs. He was routinely beaten. The other prisoners around him, also isolated in these caves, began to go crazy. But he had an idea to keep from going crazy. And so guess what this man did? He had an image of himself in his mind playing golf. And he'd play every day 18 holes at his favorite golf course. And he would look at it with such detail that he would feel the dimples in the ball. He would smell the grass. He would feel the... Some days he'd play, he would imagine it was freezing. Other days he'd imagine it's hot. Other days it'd be the perfect day. He imagined every stroke he made. He saw it in his mind in an image. He saw it going down the fairway. He had an image when he was chipping up onto the green and he, the ball would arc perfectly and land in the grass and stop it perfect and then he would take a putt and he could feel the putter in his hand and he'd bend over and he would take aim and he would take his time it'd take him hours to play 18 holes of golf every day for seven years in that cave and uh, it was all in his mind he could smell it he could hear the people laughing around him every day. Then, one day, after seven years, he was finally released as the war came to an end, right? And he went home, right? And before being captured, his best round of golf he ever played, he shot a 94 in 18 holes. That means it took him 94, he had to hit the ball 94 times to make it in all the holes. Uh, I only played golf a little in my life. I never shot 100. <laughs> that was my big goal is I want to break 100 before I die. I never did. But he shot a 94, which isn't bad. It's not good, but it's not bad. And uh, the day he went back home, after having seven years not touching a golf club, he went out on the course in his first 18 holes, he shot a 74, 20 strokes better than anything he'd ever done before. You see, there's power in an image. 
maybe more power than any of us ever realized. I think it was a great idea that God gave him. It, it, but the truth is, it kept him alive when other men lost their minds. He wasn't any different than anybody else. He was not treated any differently. But he had an image in his mind that, that brought him life. And, you know, I, uh, when I look at that and I think about that, I'm like, that really is true. His physical skills at playing golf improved dramatically. There's a huge difference between a 94 to 74 in the game of golf. All because of the image he had fixed in his mind. Now, I wonder sometimes, the truth is, I won't get off of this verse in Genesis. You know who you really are? You were created in his image. You were in his heart. You were in his thoughts. You were in his mind before the foundations of the world, the Bible says. Before anything was, he had a picture. And it's almost funny. We were all staring at Dan's uh, youngest grandbaby when she came in. I don't know if it was a girl or a boy. Didn't notice. Yeah, I was looking. You sure it's a girl? I started to say, how do you know? But I'm good. But I was looking at her, and I was looking at her little hands, and I was, and you know, Ricardo wouldn't let her go. He was like a baby hog, and people were wanting to hold her. And then Kelly walks in the room, and Kelly, like, I want to hold her. And then, like, there's a line of people wanting to hold her. You know why? Because who she is is perfect. And when you see yourself, do you see yourself in the image? You see, we were created in His image. God sees you as his, the best thing He's ever done. Like, he didn't just have one masterpiece. He had billions of masterpieces because he shaped every one of us in our mother's womb before we were even born. He did. And then we struggle with not believing in ourselves. We struggle with judging ourselves. We struggle with the, 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 all this stuff. But the truth is, the image that you focus on will release the power of God in your life. And if you focus on missing a putt, you're going to miss a putt. If you focus on hitting a putt, you're going to find that a supernatural strength invades you. I love these verses, and, you know, I won't get off of them. Now, this is what God says. This is how Jesus thinks about you. For those God foreknew, He, and I've made an emphasis there. It's not in your Bible. I just did it. He also predestined to be, to be conformed to the image of His Son. So let's see, God knew you before you were born, the Bible says. He predestined you. It's not your effort. It's not your looks. It's not your, it, it, nothing you do affects this. And then, not only did he say this was going to happen, he actually conforms you, whether you know it or not. Like, there are things about you that Jesus has put inside of you that you have nothing to do except for you got formed in that image. I love when I was listening to Thomas has told his story. He didn't know who his dad was. Thomas isn't in this room, is he? Uh, I can't remember how long ago it was. He didn't know who his birth father was until just like two or three years ago, was it, Tim? Seems like that, three years ago. And Thomas is old. I mean, he's not a young guy, you know. He's his grandpa. But he didn't know. And then he'd never met his birth dad. He met him, and he keeps telling me these crazy stories about, you know, we talk alike. 
We look alike. We have the same interests. He said, when we're on the phone, we keep saying the same word, and I have to say jinx like 10 times on every phone call. He said, I've never known the man until just three years ago, and something about me is him. That's how powerful whose image you're created in is. You don't even have to know him. Like some of you may not know Jesus. You may not have given your life. You may not have decided, he's my everything yet, but there's a lot of you that's reflected from him. There are good things in you. There's kindness, there's love, there's compassion. Where do you think it comes from? It comes from the image of who you're created in. And you're created his image. You can fight it. You can tell me how ugly and how bad and how worthless and all the bad things you did. How about let's do what that song said and let's leave our shame. It's in the grave. Jesus said, I died and you died with me. And then he said, not only did I die, I also rose. And guess who rose with Jesus? Every one of you. Every one of us. And so you can argue with me if you want to, but you're going to lose. Now, here's the reality. That's true because he says it's true. It's happening in your life because he said he's doing it, not you. Now, how do we activate what is true? Like, uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, oh, I was, I was hoping my little sister wasn't here, but she is. Uh, <laughs> I was like, hi, Dana. Uh, she knew me when I used to be mean. Er, I mean mean, flat out mean, right? Because she grew up with me. And there was a time in my life where I didn't care about anyone but me. And I was just mean, selfish, self-absorbed. What's that word they use nowadays? We didn't use it when I was young. Narcissist. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Takes one to know one. <laughs> but that's not who you really are, Chris. You're not really a narcissist. Thank God, huh? Because he'd be a big one. <laughs> But that's who I was. That's how I acted. But you know what? If you'd asked Jesus, he'd have said, no, no, that, that Alan, that's not who he really is. That's my son. He's created my image. And Jesus would say, hey, hey, come on. Remember whose you are. Remember whose image you were created in. You're not from the devil. The devil's never owned anything. He's a thief. Thieves don't own stuff. They steal stuff. Jesus, this world, you're, we're all sustained by his life, nothing else. And so this, how do you activate this? Because this is what I think the problem is. I think that, and I want to get there today really clearly. I want to say this so clearly. What if, and it's true, what if you think you're horrible? What if you think that you're a mistake? What if you can prove to me how bad you are by the stuff you did this morning? I don't know. What if every box that the world wants you to check, you check the other side? What if that's true? All that's doing is it's showing you a symptom of a not believing and having faith in who Jesus says you are. It, that does not define you. And the world wants you to be defined by your behavior and your actions. I remember it was so, it broke my heart. It really, I don't know what it did. I say broke my heart. That's the wrong word. But it, it cut me to the bone 
when I heard those therapist people that time in that conference where they used me for a show and tell, and they started prescribing or diagnosing me as a kid, and they called me really bad names. Have you ever been to a therapist and they, they diagnose you and they call you names? You know, like uh, bipolar. It's funny, I'm having a hard time with words this morning. But you know, it's a blessing. That way I don't remember a lot of the bad things y'all say. I forget. Um, but they called me a bunch of names. And I'm sitting in that conference room. I'm not sitting, I'm in the back of the room. Everybody's on the other side of me. They're not looking at me, I'm in the back. And they asked the therapists and the counselors, how would you diagnose this kid if you had him and you had to diagnose him? And they just started listing all these horrible names. Sociopath, that's not a nice person. And uh, then they introduced me and they made me go stand up in front of all those people. But it hurt when they called me those names. That was my behavior. That was the bondage in my life. That wasn't the little boy I was born to be. That who, God did never said that about me. He told me one time, he said, I didn't call you stupid. I said, oh, I thought I was stupid my whole life. He said, I didn't say that. <laughs> Listen, you need to hear from Jesus about who you are. You need to have an encounter with him and learn out, learn, learn out, <laughs> learn your true identity. And so how do you get conformed? How does this happen in our lives? And that's what I want to say today about the image deal. It's, uh, and we know how it happens, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, right? It's for by grace you've been saved through faith. How do you give your life to Jesus? You choose to believe. Faith. You choose to believe before you experience anything. You believe. Like I believed that this floor would hold me up when I stood up on this stage. I didn't test it. I just had faith that it would hold me up. You see, faith is like that, and it's not by works. Guys, we've been fed a religious lie our whole lives that we work our way into God's favor, and we work our way into being somebody good. You know what? I was loved. I was, had purpose and destiny. I was who I was on the inside back a long time before it showed up on the outside. You're the same way. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're hearing in your head, no matter what you're experiencing, the truth is you are who God says you are, and He says you're a beloved son, that you were created in His image, that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, you realize that. How do you get it from the inside to the outside? Because I live with some of you. Some of you need more on the outside. I know it's on the inside, that was sarcasm. I mean, I, I wouldn't name names to, I, I almost named a name. I'm not naming names. I really want to, though, but I'm not. But I want what's true inside to come outside in my life. I don't want to be the person I was. How does that happen? Well, religion says it happens by trying hard. So I want you to get this verse in your mind. This is not just a salvation verse. This is a life verse. By grace through faith, how do we let what's really in my heart come out? It may be self-control. It may be discipline. It may be patience. It may be love. It may be getting healed where I'm not exaggerating anymore and lying all the time. 
whatever is in me, I want it out. How does that happen? Well, it doesn't happen by trying harder. That's the deception that the devil told Eve in the garden when after humanity were created. It doesn't happen by that. You know what happens? By faith. It's a gift of God. And no one can boast. This will stop all prejudice. This will stop all judgment. Because the truth is, anybody that's doing good, it's because of the grace of God in their lives. Anybody in bondage, like we all are, are in bondage. Not because they're bad, but because they're in bondage. And you know what gets you out of bondage? Faith. So we're going to keep. I just want you to get this in your head. How do you get here? How do you get the real you inside out? By faith. Not by trying harder. And I know that gets, goes against everything. But it's, the Bible goes against everything. So here's a. Y'all know who that is, right? Thor. It's Thor, the god of thunder. He's a little G, not big G. We're not worshiping Thor. Do y'all, if y'all ever watch the Thor movies, when he holds that, that uh, hammer up and lightning strikes the hammer, you better back up because power just came into that dude. And his eyes will turn red and he can do amazing things when the lightning strikes it. Do you know what happens every time? I want to say this real clear. You and I need the lightning. We need the power of God striking us. You know how that happens? Every time that you believe more, you actually choose to believe in what God says about you rather than what you say about yourself. Every time you believe by faith, you believe in the image you were created in. That's what faith does. And every time you do that, you're going to be like, patience, love, self-control, healing. You name it. Every time you do that, and then you don't get to boast about it because it's all coming from the Father. It's coming from the lightning strikes. You just hold up your hammer every time you have faith. Hold the hammer up. Hold the hammer up. Yeah, but I'm not good enough. Hold the hammer up. I tell you, Kay and Harvey and Pat, they struggled going to Cambodian India and speaking and standing up in front of people they can't even speak their language and believing that God was going to use them to set captives free and to turn people's lives around. They struggled, but you know what they did when they got on the plane? They said, you know what? It's hard, but I'm going to believe that God's going to do this through me. And they went and they stood on the stage and they stood and they prayed for hundreds of people and guess what God did lightning strike every time and it wasn't because they don't get to come back if they come back and they stand up on the stage give a testimony next week listen I am the man they won't do that they know where the power comes from do you need power believe in who God says you are what image are you focusing on you know what most of us focus on The image that the enemy puts inside. He gives you an image. Well, they won't even talk to me. Look at that. They don't even like me. I knew nobody liked me. I didn't get a promotion. And the whole time God's saying, you're my child. You're you're the king of the world. You're you're born of the same womb as my son Jesus. Did they reject Jesus? Yes. Did he believe them? No. He lived by faith. 
that he really was a son of God. Do you believe that you're a son of God? That releases God's power in your life. So I want to go through some verses, okay? Because there's two ways you can live, right? There's two ways we can live. We can live by faith in the image that God gives us. And he says we were created in his image. You can live by faith in that image. And you'll grow in that your whole life. Or you can live by faith in some other image. You see, that word image, the same word image, is translated idols. And John, I love, I love the way John writes. I love his, the letters. I love his gospel. I love the revelation. And uh, by, by the way, you know the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the revelation of the end times. Read John, Revelation chapter 1 and see what, they, what he says. The revelation, the book of Revelation is all about Jesus. And we turn it into the end times, and that is not what John said this book is about. He said this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the revelation of what Jesus Christ thinks about the end times. We have gotten that messed up in our thinking. But I want to tell you, John, I love him. He was 93 years old, in prison on the Isle of Patmos. All the other disciples have already gone to be the Lord. Every, all the rest of them died martyrs. John's 93, and he starts writing letters. And he wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, which is where this comes out of. And he wrote the Revelation. He knew Jesus in a deep, deep, deep way. He had walked in an intimacy with Jesus that the world had never heard of. And the last sentence of that letter, and, you know, writing during that time was really hard. Y'all know that, right? It, writing wasn't easy. It was a very hard, very expensive thing. And getting a letter somewhere was really hard. And, well, he writes this letter to his disciples. First John is a letter John wrote to his spiritual disciples, the people that he had led to Jesus, the people he had raised up, that he had known for 60 years. And... Uh, the last sentence of that letter, he wrote this sentence. And he really, in the Greek, it says, My dearly beloved personal children. That was what dear children's translated that, but it's more than that. Last thing he said, My dear children, keep yourselves from idols. I'm like, so I'm studying First John and I'm like, Okay, John, you're like my hero. And if you, the people you won to Jesus and you've, you've taught about the Lord, the people you've discipled, your personal disciples, if they're running around worshiping idols, I don't have a chance. That's really what I thought. I'm like, I don't even know anybody that worships an idol. Like, you know, we, I've heard of it, I've seen it, but none of you guys worship idols, right? Who raised their hand? Uh, I, I thought somebody raised their hand. <laughs> don't know. We don't do that. So, John, I don't understand it. What are you talking about? And then I began reading that letter over and over again and praying and praying. I said, God, I don't get it. Is, worship, or, is that really a problem, worshiping idols? And then the one day the Lord just dropped it in my spirit. One thing is this. You know what that word for idol is? It's the exact same word as image. I'm like, oh. 
An idol is something that you have faith in, that you believe in, that will provide you things, will protect you, will give you what you need, will make people like you, will take away your pain. An idol is something that you believe in that will bring you life and protect you from death. And see, we don't worship those my idols. They, images because they would make idols out of wood and stone and metal. We don't worship those things. But is there anything in your life that you trust in to make you happy? Is there anything in your life that you trust in to protect your family? Those are real. Is there anything in your life that you trust in to make you successful besides God? You see, those are pictures. And the, and the picture is this. If I can just make this much money, then my family will be okay. If I can just achieve this level in my job, then I'll be good and people will admire me and love me and my family will love me. It'll all be great. If I can just, all of a sudden, I'm like, God, we do have an idol problem because we believe in other images that will actually provide what we need in life. God, if I could just be pretty enough. And so that's a picture. It's just like the picture we look at and we think that that picture is what will make me okay. And uh, I've played that game. For years I've played that game. You can't win it. It puts you in a bad place because when you worship an idol, something happens. You see, Adam and Eve, here's the bottom line is this. Adam and Eve were created. They're in the garden. They're with God. Satan came up, and down in 2 Corinthians 11, it says Eve was deceived. She was deceived by Satan. Well, guess what happened? He came into the garden. He's talking to Adam and Eve. He said, listen, guys, I know you want to be like your dad. You want to be like God the Father. And there's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's what he sold them on. If you can just learn how to judge yourself properly, then God will be more happy with you. You know God can't ever get any happier with you than the way he is right now. You'll never please him more. You please him infinitely right now. You see, it's because of what he did. It's not what we do. And so we buy into this. I, I wrote it down. The, uh, let me go to the next verse. You know this. She was deceived. Um, I won't talk about that. That's you know bow and arrows? When you shoot a, a bow and arrow, right, the new ones have these sights on them and their mechanical advantages, and you have this... this uh, rangefinder that tells you how far the target is and you dial it in some of the fancy ones will do it all for you and you just put the crosshairs on what you want to hit and it'll hit it but used to they shot instinctively so you have a bow and an arrow and I'm looking at Ray and I want to shoot him and I actually picture in my mind 
Because arrows have a big arc. They're not like a bullet that has a small arc. They have a big arc. And so you picture in your mind, you see that arc. It's just like shooting a basketball. When you shoot a basketball, you picture in your mind the path the basketball is going to take. And that's what happens. And you have this in your mind. And it's an image. So I have an image of how to be successful in the world. So do you. I have an image how to be powerful and how to protect myself from pain. So do you. And God says what your image is that's not Him becomes an idol. And it's your image. And so you have, and you read that, and God says, here's what I want you to focus on. Focus on whose you are and your genesis, your creation, who God created you to be. Focus on that and believe that and when you do, lightning is going to strike. And you're going to be living by grace, by the power of God in your life. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not from yourselves. You want to be free? It doesn't happen by working hard. It doesn't happen by doing any of that. So no one can boast. You become free when you believe in who God says you are. And you stand up and say, you know what, God? I believe you. You say I'm good, I believe I'm good. God, you say I have a purpose and a destiny, I believe I have a purpose and destiny. And when you do that, something supernatural happens inside of you. You know, it's, it's funny, John said this in 1 John, you could read the whole chapter, it's all important. And he says, listen, the world didn't know Jesus when he came into the world. He was the light of the world. You want to have a good life? Hook in with Jesus. Agree with Jesus, believe in Jesus, believe what he says about you. You see, I think we've turned it around and we actually, see if I can say this correctly in a way that makes sense. Religion, you know, religion, not Christianity, religion would tell you you need to strive to become somebody. You got to work hard to be something. Like you have to give it all. You have to die to everything. You have to spend your whole life striving to be something. Christianity says you are something. You start from your being. You know who you are? You're a son of God. It's like I, I saw this. I saw this happen yes, yesterday, the day before. I was talking to a man and I heard uh, God say to him. He heard God say to him because the man was ashamed of himself. He was judging himself. He thought he was going to go to hell. He, he wanted, he, he was sure because of his past, what he had done, what he was, whatever. And you know what God said to him? God said, hey, you're my son. Come on. That, that, you know, your past, that's not who you are. You're my son. And you know, even in the physical world, you know, you see a parent do that. Listen, you're my daughter. You're not worthless. You're not a bum. You're not a thief. You're not a, you're not, you, did, you don't exist a hurt people you you're a caring person you love people because you're my daughter you're my son and it's not a punishment it's a promise you see a lot of us we've been living our whole life striving to become something that God says we already are now you know how you access the become on the outside who you are on the inside it's by faith not by striving it's not by works so that no one can boast. Do you know who gets the credit? He does. And you know what this does? You can either live from who you really are, 
You can choose to explore Scripture and talk to people. There's people in this room that will give you prophetic words today that will paint a picture of who you are. And you'll hear in your heart, you'll hear that that's true. Maybe you don't believe it in your head, but your heart will know that is who I am. And you can leave here today knowing you can either live from who you really are or you can live a life striving to become who you should be. Most of us live our whole lives striving to be something we should be. And the whole time God said, I made you my son. You're my daughter. Believe it. Because it comes from faith. And it comes by works. Um, Much of, I'm going to say this. I don't really want to say that. Um. So bottom line, it's this. I do want to say that, but I don't want to say it. So I'm not going to say it. But I may say it because once I'm thinking it, I usually say it. Um, it's a tragedy. You know, parents, I'll say this. This is, this is better. You know, parents, your job is to create an image, a pattern, a foundation, a rock that your children can build their lives upon. Like, that's what we do. You want your children to look at you, and they're going to be like you, and we want our children to actually, to, I want to live a life where my kids can stand on my foundation and say, you know what, that's who I am. This is me. This is my family. This is my heritage. And you know, praise God, leave them an inheritance. You see, when God created you in His image, He didn't leave you without a bank account. He left you with the nations. He left you with the world. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He didn't just set an image that say, and it's not an image we try to become. It's an image we are. It's so easy for us to fall back into trying and striving and works and self-effort. And Jesus wants us to live by faith. Because when you live by faith, he gets the honor and he gets the credit. And all of a sudden you become a a God on earth because the power of God is living through you. They didn't heal anybody in India or Cambodia. The power of the living God did. And they got to experience that power working through them in lots of different ways. So it's funny. I I look at that. And I, I talk with this a lot. Um. And it's so funny, when you read in John, he talks about it a lot. Who gave you the right to be a child of God? Not me and not you. Right? Look at verse 12 there. He gave the right to become children of God to everyone who believed. You know, it's like, well, I don't want to be a child of God. Well, you got trumped. He gave you the right to be a child of God. And children not born of natural descent, not born of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. You're a child of God. And it was by His effort and His grace and His sacrifice. And He became flesh and dwelt among us. And it's over and over. And Jill's children, he says in 1 John, remain in Him. You're... My life purpose is to believe and to have faith and to be in relationship with Him. And you know what? When you're in relationship with Him, you're not ashamed. 
Because anything in your life that is that's the bad fruit coming out of your life, that's not who you are. You're only ashamed of yourself when you're ashamed of yourself. But I'm not ashamed of myself for being a mean person or a narcissist or sociopath or bipolar or any of that junk they said is who I am. No, listen, you know who you are? You're a son of the king. Now, you know when it gets, becomes real on the outside is when you choose to believe it by faith. And you know why you're a son of the king? It's not because not what you did. It's because of what he's done. He's already done it. He's already done it. And you know, it's funny. So we're not ashamed. And every time you live in righteousness, every time good things come out of your life, it's because His seed in you is coming out. And so you don't get to boast. You don't get to play, oh, I'm better than you and I'm better than you. No, every human on earth is equal. We just have different seeds sprouting inside of us and through us in our life and that's what I've been trying to say for a long time and it's really hard to say and then there's this verse here verse 10 of 1 John 3 and you really I don't have time I'm not going to do it you can spend a long time looking at this when you have faith in God and his image of you when you believe in God's image of you how you who you really are when you have faith in what he's done then His power, the Bible says, this is the, you are born of God. That word there is a little word, ek, and it's talking about a biological thing, but it's a spiritual thing where God reaches down into Himself, He takes out a part of Himself, and He places that seed inside of you. And that seed takes root and it grows and it produces the fruit of the Spirit. It produces miracles. It produces signs and wonders. The governments of the nations. It all is coming from God that grew inside of your body. So you give birth to His children. And it's His kids. You just provide the womb. And man, that's hard for us. We're the, we, we have an egg we're all, we have eggs. God impregnates our eggs because the Greek word for seed is actually sperma. Sorry, it just is. Well, guess what happens when you don't believe in your image? You know what? When you don't believe in who God says you are, when you believe you have to earn God's favor, when you believe you have to become something to be something, when you believe that lie, that word is hamartia that we translate into sin. Hamartia uh, is a compound Greek word. It starts with ha. We call it, I call it hamartia. I don't know how to speak Greek. But it's the word ha. Ha actually means without, not, not of. Now they put that prefix on words. You know what martia means? Form or image. You know what sin is? It's when I don't live with form. It reminds me of what it's like to be an orphan. Someone said that this morning at the Usher breakfast. And uh, an orphan doesn't have a foundation. An orphan doesn't have a dad to, to see and to lay a foundation in their life. They don't have an inheritance. They're without form. And it messes up lives. They don't have a mom. You see, they don't have a form. And our world today wants to tell you that you weren't created in anybody's image, 
that you really don't matter. You're just matter floating around in the world. You just live however you want to live and it'll turn out great. Well, you all know if you're old enough, you know that doesn't work. You know, the truth is you were created in his image. And whenever that verse it says, and it sounds like a condemning verse, it's actually a life-giving verse. I know if there's bad fruit coming out of my life, if there's bondages and weaknesses and all kinds of stuff coming out, I know that that's because somewhere I don't see myself the way God does. And the enemy has come into my life and he's planting seed and that seed's being born. But that's not who I am. That's just a fruit outside of my body. You know what? God wants you to see who you are. And when you see who you are, you're going to get struck with lightning. And I've never been struck with lightning, but I, I guarantee you, when you get struck with lightning, you can't hold still anymore. Something's got to give. you got to dance. you got to shout. It's good, right? You get, you get Thor has that hammer. He can change the world with that big old hammer. Well, guys, we need to spend the rest of our lives looking at who God says we are and not believing that other voice. He's a deceiver. He spoke to Eve. He said, Eve, you're not enough. You need to do this to be enough for God. And she believed him. What are you hearing? What do you hear inside? Are you enough? Or do you need to do something? The only thing you need to do is by faith believe that Jesus loves you. He created you. He thinks you're wonderful. And you need to start discovering who he says you are. And then he gives you the power to experience the fruit of that so we've all got it we're not all letting it out and none of us are letting it all out you know it's we're in a journey and I just want to encourage you I we're battling right today I mean several of us actually are fighting for people to live to live that they're not bad they're not worthless they're not a mistake they're not there's not hopeless that they have a purpose and a destiny. You know what I want every one of our children back there to know right now? I want those kids to know they're amazing. They were hand-created by God. Even if they look like Patrick Winters, they're still good. You know? I believe it. Sorry, Patrick's not in the room, I don't think. <laughs> Come on up, Lisa. We're good. Oh, there is Patrick. Hi, Patrick. Sorry. <laughs> he is in the room. Don't everybody look at him because then you'll think I was serious. I was joking. Guys, let's believe who Jesus says we are. And if you're struggling with it, that's why the rest of us are here. We're here to help people see who they are. Not to point out who they're not. They already know who they're not. We're here to point out the truth. The first thing God did in the Bible, I created man in my image. Male and female, I created them. You have a family. You're not an orphan. You have an inheritance. You have a heritage. You have a foundation that nobody, that'll never leave you, that'll never forsake you. That's who you really are. So this morning, if you want to give your life to Jesus, it'd be a great time to do it. Begin that journey of discovering who you are, and your life will be transformed by His power, not by your effort. But you have to believe. You get to believe. And who he says you are. Let's all uh, stand up if you would. Um.
whose image you look at will determine the way you live. It doesn't determine whether you go to heaven or not. That's what we read that verse and we read it as condemnation. I read that verse and I read it as affirmation that, oh, that just tells me that I'm not hooking up with the right image. I'm believing lies. Well, this morning, I want you to believe the right image. So uh, we have some prayer teams up here that will love to pray with you. If you've never given your life to God, it'd be a great day to do it. And so come up here, if you would, and we'll pray with you. And you can begin this journey. Discovering who you really are, not who the enemy says you are. Okay? So pray for each other uh, this week. Uh, We do. We have friends that are in life or death battles right now. And the battle is really about how they see themselves. They're focusing on an image that isn't from God. And it's hard. They're like you guys. They're stubborn. (laughs) They're convinced they're right. (laughs) No, you're the light of the world. Take the light to them and let them see the truth. Life is worth living. We need each other. The world needs every one of us. That's the truth. So, God, I just thank you that uh, you care about each one of us and that that junk on the outside doesn't dictate who we are on the inside. And God, I ask today that we would all grow in faith. We'd grow in believing in who you created us to be. And that this week we would walk in greater power, bringing your light, your life to the world. God, be with our friends, with Kay and Harvey and Pat, and protect them on their trip home tomorrow and Just fill them with energy to finish out this trip, God. So this morning, if you want to follow Jesus, I'd invite you to come up and pray with one of these teams. Uh, If you want to hear from Jesus what you look like, they would be glad to pray with you, okay? So uh, thank you guys. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.